talk about revolution That's going a little bit too far So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal Hello, and welcome back to another episode of More Like the Worst Wing, our show where here now in 2022, we take a look back at still Aaron Sorkin's seminal work, just guided by different hands at this point, The West Wing, uh, from a bit more of a modern socialist leftist perspective. I am Dave. And I am Stu. And we are discussing the episode Faith-Based Initiative, uh, which is so entitled because it is mostly about an anti-gay marriage amendment that the Republicans are trying to attach to the budget. But before we get into all that, we actually open up, uh, appropriately enough, since we last left off the last episode with Josh visiting Santos, we open up with the follow-up immediately right after that conversation between Santos and his wife, which I forget his wife's name in the show. Helen, I think Helen. is her name. Yes. Helen Santos. That's yep. it. Uh, she's played by Terry Polo, uh, who is coming right off Meet the Parents fame. Uh, is probably at like the height of her particular star power. So good get for the show here. And they, uh, I really enjoy them. They have a good natural chemistry, her and Jimmy Smits, uh, as a uh, couple. Yeah. So, I mean, they're hanging out in their house and we saw a glimpse of this last time when Josh just bombs in there on Christmas right. Eve. <laughs> but we only got to see like the lobby and a little bit of it. Now we really get to see this thing and ho holy shit, just, I could live in their kitchen. Describing their house as having a lobby is perfect. It's like, oh, the lobby of <laughs> yeah. the house. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the foyer. Because this thing is a fucking mansion. And I realized like, you know, back in 2000 whatever, this was just TV equivalent for like middle class suburbia. Oh, but like, this is easily like a two and a half million dollar home now well yeah and you i think you it was you who mentioned it's kind of like the image of the home alone christmas mm -hmm. is very much this yeah, it's that, the same that house exact, is also a fucking mansion yes yeah it's it's the same exact sort of demographic expectancy of a uh what's his name movie john hughes from the midwest mm -hmm. like it's it's everybody just kind of lives like this in the northern suburbs right Right, yeah, this is, quote-unquote, the American dream, to have a fucking gigantic McMansion. Um, so, yeah, they're in their giant oversized kitchen, and Santos drops the news to his wife that Josh came to approach him about president, and she kind of, like, laughs it off, and they kind of joke about, like, yeah, that's that's that sure would be dumb, wouldn't it? But then Santos is like, but he did have like this nine point plan thing, which is <laughs> a the most liberal thing to get like excited <laughs> about. <laughs> like, oh, he had a nine point plan. I do like how Helen is like, hmm, why nine? Why not three or seven? <laughs> yeah, like why 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 does nine excite you? She, and I really like their. So when we were watching this, Emma is Helen Santos is her second favorite character in this show to Amy Gardner, Behind, of course. Uh, Amy Gardner, of yeah. course. Yes, yes. Um, so, and she was just like, I just remember watching this when I, I don't know fucking how old were we, 20 or whenever it first came. She was just like, mm -hmm. it was just so great because this is how I imagine adults talk to each other. And I was like, well, actually, yeah, we kind of talk to each other <laughs> like this <laughs> occasionally. So yeah. no, their chemistry is legitimate. Good, yeah. Yeah. They have a good natural chemistry between them and it's not, it doesn't feel like West Wing dialogue. It kind of feels fresh yes. in a way. Uh, where they just kind of talk like people talk, you know, for the most part. Uh, and, and Santos only goes political when he's on, whereas Bartlett is kind of all the time on, you know. 
So it's, it's a different vibe. He can be he can turn it off basically. And I actually uh, so I, if that's if that's deliberate, and I'm sure obviously the writers may not be thinking this um, explicitly when they are writing these characters, but even the framing of being like, well, we have to portray this guy as a vigorous and fresh alternative or runner up follow up mm-hmm. to the Bartlett regime, writing him in this way almost sort of organically helps to set up that contrast, which I like. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll give it to him. Good job. Yeah, especially as the president is dealing with more and more health issues and we get to just see, like, this young, healthy, normal family man, basically. Yeah, with his 2.5 kids and his hot wife. Yeah, who is a politician but isn't, like, obsessing about it all the time constantly because he's not president yet. Uh, (laughs) So it's, yeah, it's refreshing to see. So they they talk about that and they kind of laugh it off. But then it's clearly stuck in Santos's head. And then later he calls Josh or no, he actually physically goes to Josh, right? Because he's back in D.C. at this point. Yes. And he he physically goes to Josh's office and he's like, I've been thinking about your nine point plan, man. And earlier, earlier, Josh had sort of made overtures to uh, Will in the Bob Russell campaign because he was like, all right, well, I guess it's time for me to throw in. Santos isn't going to bite. I guess I'll go help out Bob Russell. And he offered to help out. Uh, with uh, with <laughs> a nice little tangent, Ta- he's really good. Josh thinks he is at talking to quote the NAACP guys. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> and, and Charlie goes, uh, "Really? Hmm? <laughs> what? What? Why are you so good at talking to them?" About? Yeah. What? What? What <laughs> guys would you say those are? You got like um, you know, some preconceptions about the type of guy. <laughs> and also just the idea that Josh would be good at talking to black people. Yes. Is, yeah. is, that fundamental, is, like, is sort of its own setup and punchline. Just like um, that. So, the specific demographic above all of others that would just adore being condescended to. Stu by a, a Rob Emanuel motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's pretty good. But yeah, Santos shows up at Josh's office and is like, hey, man, I've been thinking about your nine point plan, but we need a tenth point you and this is basically <laughs> it which is the lamest way to say come be my campaign manager but sure and so josh finally agrees and and i think he has a little heart to heart with leo one more time about like uh you know i hate to abandon you guys here and leo's like nah you got to think about the next thing and and so josh finally fully goes in and and commits and has become Santos's campaign manager, and and by the end of the episode, we see Santos's initial announcement speech, and it is so Obama esque because hope is the main theme of the uh, of the initial speech. So they really, this is really prescient. People have talked before about how Santos becomes Obama and Vinick becomes McCain, and this is all crafted well before either of these two would begin campaigning. So. This is this is West Wing's uh, actually being accurate to the future. I think the way that yeah, so Barack Obama, and this is I'm sure he was not been, unknown at the time. I'm no. sure the the type of people who are listening to this are sort of familiar with this, but it does cast back to a time when I myself was just sort of starting to become a political animal. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Barack Obama came out of the scene at the 2004 DNC, which was like right. July of 2004. So this season was written starting in October. Now, the way that this information probably trickled through the like the Larry O'Donnells and shit mm-hmm. of the world, 
I doubt at that point that they were super intentionally doing intentionally it. doing this. Correct. However, it was clear that the impact had been made, and whether they were consciously starting to steer the rhetoric in that direction that, way, that yeah. was when the sort of the star power started on the rise which frankly is almost right. exact and the the retconning of it is that regardless if it's deliberate the timeline aligns almost perfectly with mm-hmm. like barack obama's star starts to rise just when matt mm-hmm. santos frankly at the end of last season mm-hmm. is recognized as the potential future as, next one <laughs> exactly yeah it's it's quite eerie actually and uh it, it yeah whether it, like you said it's sort of an unconscious cribbing uh from from the obama speech pattern or something like that but santos has the obama speech thing down not the cadence or Thank anything, God. but sort of, yeah, that would be really <laughs> annoying. Um, but he has like the theming and the inspirational language and stuff like that. And it's very, it's, it is very Obama-esque in its way where it doesn't really deli- talk about anything specific. And after it's over, you can't really remember anything particular <laughs> yeah. he said, but you just kind of come away from it with a good, a good feeling in your, in your belly, you know, and, and the patriotic music playing in your head as you listen to it kind of thing. It's, you know, all vibes, no, no substance. Now, today, at this podium, I might not be saying anything but when i say it in this way you will think i am a prolific orator and that is the promise of america (laughs) and the crowd goes fucking wild usa usa (laughs) just like oh my god i just i remember just even from the jump it's if you and it's just the most cynical take on oration to to mm-hmm. be like if you put the right words into a cadence it doesn't matter if they're coherent it's like people will it's like a dog's ears pricking up they're right. just like huh like what? they're just following the like oh a word is coming oh another word is coming <laughs> and it <laughs> was thing. It, it was super frustrating for a while because and granted back in my more liberal days it was oh yeah we all fought we all fell for it <laughs> oh no i i i the kind of where i'm going is that like i didn't fall for it i remember being like why the fuck do people think this guy is such a good speaker because it was infuriating to try to listen to his things i mean clearly it worked and we've kind of invade on the fact that oratory and rhetoric is meaningless politically in the past, especially in the concept of the West Wing, because it's all mm-hmm. about speech writing. So fuck that. I don't care. But to also have so many people just fawning over, I, I, I couldn't figure it out. It was like, well... Speeches. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, over not political even, speeches. And and specifically Obama's speeches. Like the, I can't listen to him for more than a few seconds because it's just... the It's the... the the rhetoric is so halting. It isn't Kennedy-esque. It is... It's, it is the average American's, like, platonic ideal yes. of what charisma is. I, I believe that, I believe that is mm-hmm. also... I firmly believe that's part of it. It is yeah. what people are expected, and especially after the Obama years, have been trained right. and, and, frankly, propagandized to incorporate right. into their beliefs about speech. Yeah. 
Yeah, d- definitely after. But yeah, at the even especially at the time, it was like the platonic ideal of what political charisma is to the average American is being able to do that. And what think, Obama can do. Well, and I think also this show and we've this was the the foundational yeah. thought about our show here was that this had a lot to do with it. The power we, of speechifying, yes. Yeah. And that it, will become Matt Santos's like mutant power throughout this primary <laughs> that he will use to solve every primary crisis, as I, as I recall. Like, the DNC, he wins with a big speech. And, like, every, you know, the debate, he wins with a big speech. You know, it's it's his ultimate trump card. It's his forming the Megazord, you know? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to bring all these words together. <laughs> and when I speak them very slowly in this cadence... <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, like thank fuck Santos does not have the Obama cadence too much, but yeah, you know Jimmy Smith obviously has his own gravitas and charisma to it. So when he delivers the rhetoric, it sounds it it, it gives the same impression basically, even without the cadence. Yeah, it still has that feel of quote unquote political charisma to it. Yeah, like there's there's a slight softness to it. It's not demagoguery. You're not pounding the podium. But you're also you're also not you're not slouching. It's this. Right. It's a very like teacher's pet type of mm-hmm. presentation. So totally, totally. But yeah, it immediately gives you the vibe of like, okay, yeah, this is the guy. Not Russell. Not <laughs> yeah. the not the philanderer. Th- this is the guy. Uh, and uh, and by putting Josh on his team, you know, the show is officially throwing in and be like, yep, this is the guy now. So we're we're all in. So Josh tells Toby. That he's taking mm-hmm. the job, and Toby melts the fuck down. Right, and now he runs to CJ, and he's like, it's just me and you now. Everyone else is fucking abandoning the ship. And so this actually provides for a nice dovetail into a little break here, because Toby and CJ get involved, you know, by, by themselves now, with mm-hmm. the other big crisis that runs through the episode. So let's take a break and then talk about Toby and CJ dealing with the uh, <laughs> the gay panic, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the time. in more ways than one. Yes. So there's the other issue that's running through the episode here is that there is a blog post written in the old blogosphere Mm -hmm. that for some reason getting a hold of high school basketball records for CJ Uh leads said blogger to be like, oh, CJ's totally gay. Yep. Totally a lesbian. You know why? She's tall and she played sports. Bing, bang, boom. Case closed. All, All those damn height empowered and athletic ability women like yeah. sorry if they're not a wilting violet like they they're they're and they don't want my dick 
No, definitely. Uh, so this causes personal problems for her, uh, whether because she a, has to deal with it and B, she's dating some new guy and he hasn't called because probably he's freaking out about this a little <laughs> oh, or at least she I, thinks she she thinks yeah. he is. Oh, I'd forgotten about the new like sir not appearing in this film. Yeah, like, yeah, sir. We, exactly. we don't see this guy again. To- totally off screen. <laughs> I think his name's Kevin or something like that. We literally <laughs> never meet him. Uh, sir, yeah, sir not appearing in this West Wing. Um yeah, she goes on two dates with him, and so she's kind of concerned about that, but is mostly concerned about it from, like, a PR angle uh, as former pre- press secretary. And most people are just giving her the advice of, like, just ignore it. Leo brings up, he's like, you know, when I was labor secretary or whatever, they, and National Enquirer wrote some fucking story about me parasailing and getting engaged to, uh, who was it, the perfume lady, Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah, um, yeah. And he's like, and I just ignored it and it went away and that's what you should do too. And then CJ's like, well, I want to say something about it, but how do I say like, no, I'm not gay. Not that there's anything wrong with that yes. <laughs> without coming across like Which, the Seinfeld episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And when you mentioned that, I was like, that's exactly it. It's literally like, that's, it's exactly that plot line. <laughs> the which is just such a minefield. Before we started recording, I was talking about the fact that me, my brain, 2022 Stu brain, would never even begin to consider talking about like a gay rights issue in the way that this episode of this show does. It yeah. is, it is not, I don't know. I think 16 years down, 17 years down the road here, it is just full stop offensive Right, these like, concepts. It, like that it's such a big issue. Big deal. And that, it, that it's such a big like, deal, that's the thing. Like that it becomes the whole episode is what is so out of touch about it, when nowadays it would just be like, no, I'm not gay, next question. Yeah, and, and <laughs> like, like further, again, much like... And further, like with the implicit understanding that like it's okay yes. if you are gay, but like, no, I'm not, without yes. having yes. to make this huge fucking <laughs> deal about it. That the episode does, like, that's what makes it awkward, is how much energy and time and words are devoted to this very simple thing that, A, Leo is right, she should just fucking ignore, and then B, if you don't want to ignore it, you just be like, no, I'm not gay, not that there's anything wrong with being gay. But she, of course, does it at the end of the episode in just, like, much more fancy rhetoric than that. Of like, you know what? It shouldn't even matter because I'm a professional and I'm capable. And does it even matter if I'm gay or not? And then the reporter's like, but you didn't even answer the question. And she's like, yeah, that's right. Mic dropped. <laughs> I And the, the fact that it is so all-consuming, I think you... you well, you articulated what I was going for is that mm-hmm. it's it's nothing necessarily even with the engaging with said issues. It's just the fact that sure. it's such a big fucking deal. Why is it such right. a big fucking deal? I don't why get is, it anymore. Why is it why is it treated with the exact same stakes as like the president's MS or or whatever, you know? Yeah, or like a nuclear threat in Pakistan or India, whatever. Right. It's just like, well, what the it's, fuck are you even it's talking given about? Given the same amount of energy and words as any of these other big important things. So and then it well, this dovetails in so there's also an anti-gay marriage amendment that gets tacked on to the budget uh, or it gets attempted to get tacked on by uh, this Republican senator named Wilkinson. And which I love this at the beginning, Bartlett, 
when Bartlett hears about this, he's like, Wilkinson? But he's like a conservative traditionalist, not an ideologue. Why does he think that the federal government should be overriding the states? Like, like that the Republican is like going to fucking care about that kind of like <laughs> you know, staying consistent to his own internal principles. Yeah, you... That's why, and again, that's why you don't give these people credence. You don't give them the time of day. They are right. never speaking in good faith. They are right. never arguing with you. They yeah. are saying whatever they need to do to accomplish their goals. So then Bartlett ends up sitting down with this fucking, who is clearly this fundy ass motherfucker. Like, as soon as he sits down, he's just like, well, the good Lord told us that only a man and a woman and like, you you know the drill. And, and Bartlett just keeps trying to like counter him with like, smart religious rhetoric of like oh but does didn't god say that we should you know love love the sinner hate the sin kind of thing or like basically just tries to counter him with this and like it's it doesn't go anywhere but then for some reason the the amendment gets dropped i really don't know why i really I don't, don't know, know if why I'm, if i lost the plot or the episode did but I don't well, know the mechanics by which the amendment gets dropped because it's absolutely not that Bartlett convinces him because it ends on uh, Wilkinson getting the last own in where Bartlett goes, actually, I raised my right hand and I said I would protect the Constitution. And Wilkinson goes, yeah, but where was your left hand, Mr. President? Oh, bam, 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 bam. on a like, fucking Bible owned. I like what okay <laughs> and like and the scene ends with like bartlett frowning like oh shit i done been owned and i'm like that okay so what <laughs> like separation of church <laughs> and state like maybe we shouldn't have presidents swearing on bibles anymore if it's gonna lead to this kind of fucking mentality and also just like you, this is why this is your downfall because if you consider yourself owned as if you are engaging in any sort of of legitimate discussion or a right. multiple-sided nuanced issues discussion or like debate yeah. yeah what what are you what are you talking about again you should know and and liberals don't democrats don't they don't understand that no it's it's the sartre anti-semite quote they know yeah. that they are engaging in good faith because they aren't engaging in good faith and they don't care right they get to play with the rhetoric. That is, exactly. that is their whim. Yeah, and, like, Bartlett doesn't get it. And it's interesting, too, in his defense of this that he never brings up, like, really gay people themselves. He doesn't, like, make an argument of, like, but these people, they want to get married and, and like, you know, and, and, and enjoy their love and their freedom and stuff like that. He kind of just makes all these, like, religious arguments back at him. and yeah. There's no humanist side to this. And I mean, and frankly, which is, again, within the framework that the show is operating, unsurprising because they're yeah. just slurred up basically the entire time. You wrote it out here. It's like, so are the queers going to destroy marriage as we know it? Fuck you, Lee. What the fuck? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so th that's Leo's question on like the status of this whole thing. He's like, so are the queers going to destroy marriage as we know? It? Like, Jesus fucking Christ, Leo. The, the, the queers, like right I... up there with the blacks. <laughs> like, well, and we done. Uh, so that's that's the double the double tap in this episode, too, because we've got the NAAC people and now we got the queers. Like, yeah. 
Uh, I, it's it's at, really at bad. One, at one point, Toby refers to anti-gay discrimination as the last acceptable form of discrimination, and that's just like an oddly cute sort of time capsule moment mm. of, mm-hmm. oh, oh, Toby, we have such sights to show you. Yes, also, we're, like, we're forming whole new frontiers of discrimination, buddy. Yeah, and, and frankly, bringing back the old ones, as we yes. know. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, at one point, we get a demographics or destiny drop that, you know, oh, the kids will solve all this because, mm-hmm. you know. Yep, the, we don't need ki- to do anything. The kids are queer as hell, you know, which A, <laughs> is true, true, but B, doesn't solve anything when the geriatrics are still holding on to the fucking levers of power. Yeah. And this, it dovetails eventually with the Santos with the primary. primary campaign thing mm-hmm. in an absolutely bizarre yeah. or maybe like pretty prescient scene where Oh, so that's Toby... how it gets dropped. I put two and two together. Yes. So he ends up dropping. So it, it turns out the anti-gay marriage amendment was actually the masterminding of dun, 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 John Hoynes, evil philanderer. Oh, no. Evil yes. philanderer man, uh, primary uh, guy who is doing it to sabotage Bingo Bob because now Bingo Bob has to go on the record about this amendment, and Bingo Bob is going to come out uh, basically anti-gay marriage, basically taking like the Obama uh, level of it of like, well, you know, civil unions, and you know, I I love gay people, but you know, marriage is between a man and a woman. Um, and by doing that, he gets trashed in the primary and then Hoynes doesn't have to comment cause he's not an elected official and basically admits as all much to Toby. I think he's telling yes. it to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toby manages to talk to him and he basically spills all this. And so then I guess he gets Wilkinson to pull the amendment back cause it's already served its purpose for him, which was just to hurt Bob Russell in the primary, which fe- all feels uh, very <clears throat> house of cards. It's also just the most seven-dimensional chess thing, I think, and in a show about seven-dimensional chess, this shit is insanely deep and convoluted. It's just like, really, it doesn't... I, I don't see how this matters that much, and which is why I'm saying it's quite bizarre, because it's like the show, like they're shooting on location, they go get out on the street... They have like him, like right. like Toby confronting him at a car, like getting in with you know it's a yeah. street shot. They put like a lot of effort into this, and they have to get yeah. him back. They have to you know get uh, the Hoynes is at you know Timothy. Uh, I can't remember his name. Yeah, whatever. Um, you have to get him in and all that. Yeah, like they put a lot of effort into this for the primary. I don't know. Did the show just like want to talk about gay marriage this week? Kind of thing. Like it all feels like you said. It feels like something out of a different show. Yeah, it's very out of character. Um, mm-hmm. And so they, they do that. And I think part of the reason why we couldn't remember why the amendment gets dropped is because ultimately it's down this tortured, twisted path of inside baseball that the mm-hmm. viewer has no no perspective on. Or it takes so much exposition to connect the dots for the viewer that the ultimate point of it is lost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've eventually, after yeah. oh, I want I want to mention this while we're talking about this. Speaking of perspective, we do have several comedy beats where um, oh yes, Annabeth 
ambushes CJ in the yes <laughs> in the White and they, House, and she's so fucking short, Kristen Chenoweth, and Allison Chandy is so tall that seeing them walk side by side is a comedy moment in and of itself. I love it. It's it's really exceptional, and they play it up pretty well because they're both honestly probably the best actors on the show Mm -hmm. and just like seeing them juxtapose and CJ asks her, she says, well, how are you like four (laughs) ten? Yeah. She's like, I'm four nine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's literally like a half a person distance between them. It's incredible. Um, And so, yeah, yeah, CJ just totally needs to pick her up and, and look eye to eye and pin her against the wall. (laughs) Like, like in the, the one image that will be the thumbnail for the episode. Everybody knows where that thumbnail's from. And you, if you know don't... the one I'm talking about, fellas. <laughs> fellas, if you don't, go ahead and reverse Google search that. It also just, I don't know, I was thinking about this. In college, I dated a girl who was 5'1", mm-hmm. and my best friend Mo is 6'4". And so when they were around together, her his he would greet her by picking her up. <laughs> that was very funny. And he's a really goofy dude anyway. But yeah, so the height mismatch is extremely funny. And it, it's basically the opportunity for between Annabeth and Leo to talk CJ down mm-hmm. about like flipping about, out about uh, the yeah, accusations. About making like a huge crazy statement about and it, it is, instead of w- what she ends up doing. Yeah. Well, and it also, I think, again, probably unintentionally, it works a little bit more effectively because Annabeth is also a woman, an attractive yes. woman. So it's like yeah. the the sexual tension that would nominally, you know, obviously professionalism aside, like juxtaposing two women in a situation that is theoretically about CJ being gay mm-hmm. is or a lesbian is yeah. Add something. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, so it's good that they get Annabeth in there, not just for the comedy shot, but I do love the comedy (laughs) shot so much. Uh, Speaking of other funny moments in this episode, uh, Abby, speaking of uh, Curtis, the the president's new body man, simply says, I'd like to watch him eat a pie. (laughs) (laughs) That's very funny. (laughs) You know what? I would too. Why not? Yeah. Uh, And uh, also, Marlo Worski comes back while we're on Mm -hmm. the comedy subplots. Uh, she has whipped Josh into fighting shape, IMO, and uh, and Toby is correct. She is a fantastic assistant, and and he should keep her. Yeah, I think Marla Wars. It's a, if it would be funnier if the show had just decided to dispense with Donna entirely, <laughs> and just wrote in Marla and like developed Marla. As, yeah. like, the new ball buster to match up with Josh's ball busting. Yeah, like, she even gets a, a hand at doing Donna's thing, where Donna would be like, you're spending my tax money on whatever stupid thing. Yeah. But she does it a lot better, where she calls out, like, an actual stupid part of the budget. And is like, really? Taxpayer money <laughs> is going to this stupid fucking thing just so you can, like, buy off some Congress guy from Iowa who wants, like, what, a fucking water park or whatever? $50 million? Yeah. <laughs> And so she, like, correctly calls him on it, and he's just like, uh, yeah, all right, I gotta go, bye. <laughs> <laughs> and she, like, it, it's funny, because they're sort of playing her as sort of, um, like, looming in the near distance mm-hmm. the whole time, just mm-hmm. kind of, like, observing yes. Josh through the window, and occasionally he'll look over his shoulder, and she'll be there. She's <laughs> like a horror villain, I love her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty she's, funny. She's like a, st- a, a slasher villain who's just always behind you. Um... 
So yeah, that's all good. Speaking of Donna, we find out where Donna has gone in this episode. Not that they spend a ton of time on it, but she has been hired by Will and the Bob Russell primary campaign to do big stuff, you know, higher than assistant level stuff. Although the first thing we see her do is answer a phone. Yes, she, she walks in into her like shitty field desk and mm-hmm. is like, oh, hello, how may I in direct Iowa. your call? It's like, oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Will said, like, she would be doing, like, high-level campaign stuff or whatever, but uh, we'll we'll see more of that going forward. But, yeah, she is officially hired in uh, with Russell now and Josh knows as well, um, but mm-hmm. he's, he's not freaking out about it, no. uh, as of yet, at least. Uh, he's preoccupied with the whole Santos thing and becoming campaign manager for Santos, which is why we see him at the end with Santos uh, when he's doing his intro speech. Yep. The... The, the before we kind of wrap up the CJ being a lesbian issue, we mentioned briefly that she like has this soliloquy with the press pool towards the end of the episode, and it's I think now that I've thought through it, it is more evidence of the show kind of losing its way in episodes like this. Because I think you correctly characterize it as like a CJX machina thing. Where she just shows up and says a bunch of words. And oh, says the, the problem goes words. away. The perfect words, exactly. And but, then, yeah, it's gone. I, but I also think that this is actually technically a more appropriate place for that sort of mechanic because she knows these people it's within yeah. her wheelhouse as a press person even and though this, she is no longer officially much one. lower to be fair yeah then like the last time we saw this like at the china summit when bartlett x machina like solved the whole summit yeah yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> this is much lower stakes than that so i guess it's a lot more acceptable it's not really x machina as much but it's within her wheelhouse to solve because you know it's her life that is yeah. the issue in as much as it's like one fell swoop, it's very yeah. much like, oh, okay, um, got to check this yeah. box off. Great. Yeah. You know, CJ is the authority on CJ's life, so she gets to have the final say on it. That's fine. The um, There are issues brought up with the president's health a lot, where we get a return of like his doctor, uh, who we mm. saw in the anthrax scare episode. Oh, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. You know, that ended up being just like a fake test or or whatever, uh, we get him coming back and he goes on about how, you know, you're going to have to schedule him way less than normal, like six to seven hours a day with a nap, you know, like he can't sign too many things or look at too many papers. Basically, like he can't president good no more. And mm. <laughs> and there's there is zero discussion of like, OK, well, should we even think about maybe stepping down and letting Russell take over for this last year? Should we? You know, should we invoke the 25th Amendment because he's becoming unfit to serve? There's zero, zero discussion of that. And it's just like, uh, all right, well, we'll, it's a scheduling nightmare, but we'll make it work. (laughs) Yeah, I guess we're going to have to cut down the number of inspirational speeches a day from like four to three. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if the country will work anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yes, given that given the country is powered by speechcraft, you know, we got to get him back in the word minds as quickly as possible. <laughs> so, yeah, I just thought that was like it's 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 not played. It's played for nothing but like dra- drama and pathos. But like there's zero discussion of like, should Bartlett stop doing this job that is actually killing him? Yeah, 
And we, I think we remarked on this maybe a couple episodes ago where there's never any consideration of working less. Nope. Never. Nope. Like only, only on doctor's orders where they finally like, okay, we'll, we'll schedule him less, but it's like pulling teeth to get them to do it. They're like fighting the doctor every step of the way. They're like, but okay, but what about this? Can he do this? Well, so how about if he just signs things? And and honestly, I would say that the only thing that would stop them would be like a physical incapacitation. But clearly, that doesn't stop them either. No, no <laughs> because his his own stubbornness. To be fair, he's not fighting it either, and he would wa- he would want to work himself to death, which is really the whole problem. But like, <laughs> yes. but Abby or someone needs to fucking cooler heads need to prevail here if they don't want him to work himself into an early grave. Like, yeah. There's just zero consideration of like, oh, we've got this healthy Bob Russell guy. You only have like, what, a year left? Why don't you just fucking stop, dude? You can stop. That's an option. Yeah, and I I firmly believe that in his, in the character's heart of hearts, Jed Bartlett would actually prefer to physically die, die in the line of in duty. In office, 100%. Yeah. It would be oh. his like... Legacy. martyrdom he would be the one that would love be receiving it. the medal of honor or whatever it'd be the perfect end yeah he'd be like oh my god people would talk about it. and the man w- worked so hard for our country he literally died in office and like oh my god he'd love it if he was alive to hear it but he'd be dead <laughs> yes well but yeah you know, and within the reality of the show it's obviously that they have martin sheen you know until for the rest of the of the show locked up so they're not going to ditch him uh, other than temporarily for like John Goodman that one time, but yeah, within the fiction of the show, it should be a consideration. Oh well, wasted opportunities in my for, opinion. Yeah, again for <laughs> uh, interesting drama there, and like rather than have Will just be this kind of like pestery nuisance, like he could actually have like a real run at them of like, hey, fuck you, let Bob Russell take over. Yeah, like no what shit. is what is this shit I'm hearing about his health and that he's going to be scheduled six hours a day? What if yeah. <laughs> what if India nukes Pakistan? Like fuck you, like put Bob Russell in. Like that that could have been a real interesting plot line but nope lost like tears in the rain (laughs) (laughs) Uh, like key bumps up larry o'donnell's nose (laughs) uh but yeah i think that's most everything we covered donna covered the various comedy bits the gay marriage cj yeah i think that pretty much wraps it up so thanks as always for listening we hope you enjoyed uh, we feel if you if blah, 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 if you like you can leave comments in either one of our threads. If you found the show a different way, hi, welcome, and you can drop the show an email at theworstwing69 at gmail dot com. Nice, nice, and we will be back uh, probably next week to share with you our thoughts on the next episode of the West Wing here on the Worst Wing. Until then, everybody, stay safe. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And I'll all the money you ask for, but don't ask me to come on along. So love me, love me, love me. I'm a liberal. <laughs>